Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm Corey Howell, and as always, I'm here with my fellow nerd, Chris Gladden. What's up, man? How we doing? Good, good. Um, so, right off the bat, uh, we talked last week a little bit about our new sponsor, uh, TTD Through the Decades, and how we're going to be starting to do magic events there. Yep. Um, so, this coming week, we're going to have our first one there, and we're, we are going to be switching to Wednesdays. Um, at least um, to give that a test run and see how it goes. Um, that works a little bit better with our schedules. Um, and so that we can be there as much as possible. Um, that's the day that's, that's going to work the best. So um, this Wednesday, which will be the Feb- 20th. February 20th, um, we'll be at TTD playing uh, Commander. Um, so if you guys played with us at Cardinal or if you're interested in coming out to play or maybe you're out in the Easton and you never made it to uh, you know Cardinal to play, um, come join us out at, at TTD. We're really looking forward to that. Um, should be pretty fun. So, just wanted to get that out of the way first. Um, and speaking of our sponsors, uh, we uh, had a chance uh, last night to stop by the Destination Comics. Is that what it's called? Destination Comics? Is it Comics and I think Games? It's just called the Destination. The Destination. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure. Just wanted to get it right. But so, any I knew, I knew it is the Destination, but I wasn't sure if there was like actually more words there or not. Um, so we stopped by the destination, and um, that was a really cool store. I'd never been in there. Um, is well, I you guess, kn- I'm sorry. So the name is the destination, and then hyphen games, toys, and comics. So, so I w- <laughs> so we were yeah. I mean, I, I knew there was some other. But their words sign there. just says I think it just says the destination on the on the front door. But sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, we stopped in there last night, and uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I'm not a real big comic person. Um, I'll tell you what, it is it is tempting though to to do comics. Um, I don't like to read very much, but I feel like. And as we've talked about before, the reason I don't like to read books is because it's hard for me to, to make the images yeah, and to kind of imagine what's going on and mm-hmm. what people look like and what the setting looks like and stuff. And obviously comics kind of eliminate that issue. Um, you know, you kind of have that, that illustration um, in there too. So, And then you've, got, you've also got a lot of different artists too. So if you don't like the depiction of a superhero or a character in one... Um, artist rendition. You've got several other artists that have probably drawn that same character, right? Um, you know, like with the X Men, I really like um, Jim Lee's art, and you know, you might a lot of people might not know who Jim Lee is, but he's he's the artist from the '90s that most people would know um, X Men from because he he's basically developed the style of the X Men in the '90s alongside of Chris Claremont, who was the uh, the writer back then. Yeah, um, that's you know that's the only thing that I will say about comics is they're really intimidating um, from the outside looking in. You know, it's like where do you start? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, there's a couple places you can start. I mean, obviously you can start with just floppies, which are you know the two three dollar comic books that you can get at a place like the Destination. Um, I saw when we were in there that they had a, a, some little deals that were kind of interesting, where it would be um, you know a four comic run or you know like a 10 comic run and they were all packaged together so you could just kind of purchase that for you know 10 20 bucks or something like that and then you would have that little run and it was basically a um, you know a story within those within yeah. those books so i guess for me it's not necessarily um it, it's i when i say where where do i start it's more what story do i start mm-hmm. with what what fandom do I start with? You know, yeah. do I start with DC or Batman, or do I start with, um, you know, the Avengers or, or whatever? There's there's so much to choose from. It's yeah. kind of like, where do I start? Um, 
and, and I guess that's for me. It's not really a serious choice, right? Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I mean, the places you start is just whatever you think would interest you the most. I mean, a lot of people um, know who the X Men are, so that's kind of a place that they would want to start. Or you know, as a kid, they liked Spider Man, but they never really read any of the comics, but they remember the animated series, so that's right. where they'd want to start. Or they really liked Batman, the animated series, so you might want to start with some some Batman series. Um, the thing I'll say about Batman is that the writing on Batman is so different from series to series that that might be something that you would want to ask somebody at a comic see, shop that's, about. That's what, you know, with with knowing that there's different, like you even mentioned earlier, there's different artists, mm-hmm. different writers, we have different storylines and all this stuff. It's like, which ones are the good ones? Which ones are these kind of like iconic ones and mm-hmm. stuff like that? You know, and that's... Where that anxiety for me comes in right. of like picking the right one, but I also think that that's the advantage of having a comic shop instead of just searching for the stuff online. online. Yeah, let's go talk to um, them. Yeah, you, yeah, for sure. There's I mean, people that's the that point, right? that have been reading these comics, you know, for a long time. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know at the destination what their, you know, their comic IQ or whatever is, but I'm sure it's going to be pretty good. I'm assuming if they've got a store full of <laughs> right. comics, they probably you know, know a little bit about. I, I haven't really talked to a lot of them, them about comics, but I mean, I'm sure that. That they're going to be really knowledgeable, at least on the bigger ones. You know, there might be some niche things. Like if you went in there and asked, started asking somebody about Tank Girl or something like that, they might not know everything that you wanted to know about that series, but they might still have some kind of idea because I know that I think that just got relaunched in uh, color, which is kind of a cool thing. If you don't know anything about Tank Girl, there was, there was a movie about it in the nineties that existed. Um, but it's it's really about this girl that rides around in a tank and it's and she's got an attitude it's it's kind of a cool little comic it's um uh a lot of women really liked it back in the 90s um but it was definitely not just geared towards women it's geared towards a lot of people but you know it's kind of one of those those niche kind of market kind of things right they yeah you might not know about that kind right. of stuff but but yeah i mean um that's one of the reasons we partnered with them was because you know they obviously serve a, a big niche in our community mm-hmm. i mean comics and superheroes and whatnot is a big right. part of being a nerd at least from my perspective so but yeah if you're um, i mean if you're newer into comics like i said you've got the floppies which are like the one issue comic it's it is a comic book is what a, a floppy is and then you've got trade paperbacks which is a collection of floppies and then you've got um you know the hardbacks tend to be a little bit more and then you got the omnibuses which is a collection of the trade paperbacks basically so you got different tiers depending on what price level you wanted to get into um i think if you really do the math um it te- trade paperbacks tend to be the cheapest um, versus the omnibus versus the omnibus and then versus the floppies unless you do a series that wasn't super popular then you're going to run into most of the comics in some series you can get for 50 cents to a dollar so right. in those cases it might be better to go with the floppies um and they, they might not have been that popular not because they weren't good but just because there was little little collector's value in there so comic books are not valuable just because um of who they are necessarily generally comic books are valuable because of the rarity or because it's a key issue. So a key issue would be um, Spider-Man number one, which is going to be Amazing Fantasy 15. So that that comic book is going to be 
more expensive because it is the first appearance of Spider-Man. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. New yeah. characters introduced. Yeah. So if you new got storylines, right. I mean stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. A lot of the the different storylines they don't tend to be too expensive. Um. Like if you wanted to read Civil War, those don't tend to be too expensive. But you're probably gonna do better in the trade paperback just because it is a somewhat popular uh, series. Um, if you wanted to read the Infinity Gauntlet, which is you know yeah they uh, had that Infinity there, War, yeah. um, that's probably going to be better in trade paperback because the comics are actually worth some money. Um, like especially the first one, I don't remember what the first one cost, but to get all six of them is probably about a hundred bucks, whereas the trade paperback is twenty to thirty bucks. See, and this is where it also gets to be dangerous too, because part of me is thinking, well, don't you kind of want the collector's pieces? Yeah, you do. I know. I mean, you want both is what you really want. You want the you want the trade paperback so you read, can read it, yeah. or, or the omnibus because it's uh, the omnibus is a better reading experience because it's bigger. Um, it's a hardcover book, so it opens better. The pl- pages lie better. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, and then you got the comics to uh, to start your collection. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I understand. I mean, that's that's the slippery slope we're on, right? Is it any little things like, well, I could just buy those comics, right? And- I mean, they're worth a hundred bucks now. Maybe they'll be two hundred dollars in then, a couple years. Then you years. go back into the destination, you find out that they have statues and stuff like. It's like, yeah. oh man, I really like Batman, and they got some Batman statues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. might as well pick up one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they they did carry you know a lot of cool little memorabilia type stuff in there too. Some Funko Pops and some sideshow statues and mm-hmm. some action, collectors action figures and stuff. Um, and they had some games and stuff like that too. So I mean, it's a pretty. They've got a, a lot of cool stuff in there. So if you guys are out in the area, I'd check it out for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was really my first peek into a comic store in general. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went to Comic Book World in Northern Kentucky. I know there's one here too in Louisville, but um, it, but I never really paid attention to the comics. I was there for like role playing yeah. games and and uh, hero clicks and mm-hmm. Pokemon cards and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with with comic books, right? Um, so. Um, but this is the first time I went into a store pretty much dedicated to that and, and kind of looked through them a little bit to mm-hmm. see what was out there. Um, and I had tried to subscribe to Marvel's comic service on like through their app. Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, it's not bad, but I did not enjoy reading the comics on my phone. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a different experience. I mean... I don't like reading comics digitally either. Um, and, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, if that's the way that you like to do it. But I don't like reading books digitally. I don't like reading them on a Kindle. I do I like, like reading books. Do you? I, yeah, I do. I can. That's. I actually prefer a Kindle to actually a, a book. Okay. Um, and, and the reason is because I don't like holding a book. Okay. Like, you know, especially you mentioned the trade paperbacks, uh, which is basically a soft cover, mm-hmm. soft bound book. I mean... They're hard to read, and in a lot of paperback yeah. books, it's just like I'm, I feel like I'm forcing like to hold the page open. Yeah, I mean that's why if you look at my small little library over here, almost everything is hardback because it's just a better reading experience. Yeah, the the pages fold open all the way, like. The spine is developed in a way where it's not you're not like damaging the spine it's by like opening the book open. open. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got like a little uh, laptop um, lap piece that I put in my lap and. I just set the book in there, and it just kind of, you know, it just opens up in a really um, clean and easy to 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 turn page way. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, like I said, that's one of the reasons I've always I preferred the Kindle because mm-hmm. it's like I'm reading the word regardless. It yeah, doesn't really matter that. where that is, and and for me to just be able on my phone and kind of swipe or yeah. whatever, go up a page or whatever. 
um, has always been kind of nice. I do like having the book. Um, again, to me, it's a, I would buy books honestly just to have on a shelf. Yeah. Um, I mean, books are kind of my like retirement plan. Like I buy most of the books that I buy now. Either I've already read, or it's something that I don't care about reading anytime soon. And you just want to read it one at some day, point. Yeah, one day I'll get around to reading that book. And you know, I mean, who knows? You know, forty years from now, when I finally do get to retire, <laughs> what what happened to books? You know, so like I said, I mean, I I enjoyed that experience of actually having something in my hand. I enjoy the experience of turning the page, and that's true. Um, I mean, you know, it's hard to think, but. Um with comics being digitalized, you know, mm-hmm. you have books being digitalized. At what point are, is like, you know, I mean, really, bookstores are few and far between now. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a Barnes and Nobles and a, um, a book and music exchange, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really half it. price books. That's yeah, that's I mean, about it. you know, I mean, you don't really have many here in the city. So, and one of our other partners, um, they closed down, which was it was a bookstore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to be into right now. People yeah. don't want to buy a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but it actually, the, the actual, um, hardback book industry is starting to make a, a comeback, comeback, which yeah. is kind of interesting. I don't think that's, I'm not surprised, right? I think you always get these kind of overcorrections, yeah. right? So all of a sudden we release Kindle type thing, mm-hmm. you know, reading on your tablet or whatever, and then hard hard copy books take a big hit, right? Because yep. there's this big overcorrection. Everyone's like, "Oh, well, I'm going to read it on my Kindle now." Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, you have people that after a while it loses its kind of it's new. It's not yeah. new anymore, so it loses that kind of appeal. Yeah. And then people either don't read as much, or they go back to reading what they used to read. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is, a lot. I honestly firmly believe that a lot of the cool part of having a book. Is having something to put on a shelf. Yeah. Which you just don't get. Yeah, I mean, it's part of that collecting thing. I mean, that's why, I mean, I've always been a huge collector of things. That's why I've liked books, and I like comic books, yeah. and I like statues, and uh, I like cards, and, you know, anything that I can kind of put up, and I get value out of the purchase above and beyond just my ability to read the book or right. look at it, you know, when I'm actively engaging with it, uh, you know, has value to me, you know. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting that the whole idea of comics and, and stuff and doing that digitally. And I'm I'm not like I said, I'm not a fan too much of digital. So maybe I'd like the yeah. the hard the omnibus is a little better. I like the idea of digital because you can get some of these really rare comics digitally the, that yeah, you, you can't not, get you yeah. can't get your hands on at all, or that um, would just be prohibitively expensive, right? So. You can still buy, or or you can even buy your hundred thousand dollar comic book that's in a slab that's you know a, a nine point eight that you're never going to open. But then you can also read it, right? You know oh, the digital, digital version of yeah, it. Yeah, in in those situations, I guess it does make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, you know, if there's a, a, a reasonably priced omnibus or trade paperback yeah. or whatever, like I would just prefer that. Yeah. I think. Oh, I agree, hundred um, percent. I mean, I would rather buy those. Um, plus, you know, it, there's some kind of satisfaction of, you know, this is my favorite superhero and I've got this line, you yeah, know, yeah. one of my, uh, one of my friends in the collecting, uh, world, he, um, recently completed the entire Thor line. Like he has really? every single Thor comic book 
ever written up until you know i guess the modern stuff and he's probably got that too and he's probably gonna get it when it comes out right at that point yeah Yeah. so i mean he was that was really important to him to finish that whole line and i think now i think he has the entire line but i think now he's like getting all of the graded like getting the whole line graded which is even more crazy on top of that but uh you know there's some satisfaction to that like thor's his favorite comic book so that was that's been like a lifelong achievement for him and he's finally done. I think he finished it last year. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine um, having some, you know, something like that. That extensive. I mean, it that you know, um, I, yeah, it doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose except for like you said, that personal right. satisfaction. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there are some of those that he's not going to read. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say worth, most of them he's probably. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Because they're just worth too much. I mean, yeah. you don't want to take it out. And but he probably has read them in the past, or or like read I said, the digital you know, ones yeah, or whatever, right? So, yeah, um, but yeah, guys, like I said, if you like comics, check it out. Um, maybe I'll pick up some and, and go in there and pick their brains on where to start and which ones I might like. Um, cause it really was kind of overwhelming to look at all that and be yeah. like, well, if I wanted to buy one, like where the hell, I mean, yeah. there's hundreds and hun- probably thousands in there. Yeah. Um, so to pick is kind of a, a tough decision, but again, like like I said, as soon as you walk in, that that little wall to the left is probably a good place to start. Like you just think of, okay, I want to read about Wolverine, and I bet you that they have like a little collection of you know five to ten Wolverine comics that tell you you know some story or whatever in there. Because I remember a couple like a year ago or something like that, I walked in there and they had Spider Man twenty ninety nine which is just a futuristic version of Spider-Man. Well, I guess not even futuristic. It's just a different universe of Spider-Man. Um, and they had, like, the first one through maybe, like, the 20th one or something like that. Um, and I was really considering buying that. But I already had a couple of them, so that was the only thing that stopped me from doing it. But that would be, like, a really good place to start. And those ones are not going to be, like, your super pristine condition ones that they're probably putting in those. Yeah, so I you mean, can just you can just flip through those. And then, I mean, because you don't have to keep comic books in pristine condition. I mean, it's, it's a thing that comic collectors do, but a thing that comic collectors also do is read the comics. So... Yeah, I mean, if, there's something to be said for that, right? I mean, it, it's... I guess it's six... If that's what you want. Yeah. If you prefer to read that format, I mean, I guess it's... From where I'm sitting, it's like it's yours. Yeah. Like... You don't have to keep everybody else happy just because somebody else doesn't want, would never dream of right. opening their, you know, high dollar comic and mm-hmm. reading it. Doesn't mean you can't do it to yours. I mean, I probably would cry a little bit if I saw somebody open up, um, you know, like the first Captain America comic book out of a slab and just start reading that one, you know, a graded version of that or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's that's theirs. my thing. Like, I'm not going to tell them they can't do it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like I said, if it's theirs, right? Right. I mean, um, but yeah, um, just want to talk about that a little bit cause it's, it's one of the things that I hadn't really been exposed to. So I thought it was kind of cool to see. Um, and one of the other things kind of in a similar, um, style, cause we, it, one of the things I brought up there was manga stores. Cause I noticed they didn't have much manga. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned that maybe Barnes and Nobles was the best place to kind of get a lot of that. Yeah. That's one of the only places I've really seen very much of it. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, I, I guess I was just surprised because mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably a decent market Yeah, for that. I mean, if there, I have to imagine if there's a market for a comic store, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a market for manga too. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there definitely is. I mean, there's. Uh, I think that the percentage is going to be kind of skewed in a way where it's probably close to the percentage of comic books to manga that they did have there. And I know that they can order stuff if you were looking for something specific. Then they can usually order, you know, that because yeah, they that had some Attack book. on Titan, Titan and mm-hmm. stuff, but they didn't have a whole lot. It didn't yeah. seem like. You know, you mentioned Berserk yesterday, and I mean that's definitely something that that I would consider reading is the mangas from berserk because yeah. supposedly they're supposed to be really good and there's a lot of stuff that that covers that you you're never they, i mean see for them. one it's still going yeah i mean that's the other thing right is we don't know at this point even if we're going to get a continuation of a berserk anime mm-hmm. um and he takes so long to put out new chapters for the ma- for the manga right it even kind of compounds that problem because yeah. you're like he hasn't even finished the story in the manga yeah like it's kind of like kind of like Game of Thrones. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and actually, um, on that on that topic, one of the another uh, anime that I really like that I'm rewatching currently, Hunter Hunter, is kind of in the same situation where they have continued the manga past where the anime stopped, mm-hmm. um, but he is on a hiatus with mm-hmm. the with the manga, and they're like not sure when it's going to be released, even though he says he's going to finish it. Right. Um, and. And so then it begs the question, like, are we going to see that stuff ever animated? That's one thing that kills me about anime, man. I don't it's, get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I I know we've talked about it a little bit before, but, you know, you've got, like, Vampire Hunter D and Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, and then there's plenty of manga for Vampire Hunter D, but where's, where's the anime? Like, it's so good. Like, it's one of my absolute favorites, but there's nothing else about it, like, out there. Um, you know, I saw something when I was searching Amazon that was like Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust 2, but it was like a DVD thing. And I'm like, there's no yeah. way that it's probably le- completely legitimate if it's just if they're only selling the DVD. Yeah. Um, and the DVD was really expensive. So I don't, I don't know what the deal was with that, but I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't bring know. It out. I mean, even the, the idea that two of my favorite animes that I've stumbled upon in the last five years or so, Berserk and Hunter Hunter, both have, or, but they're both in literally the same creative situation where you right. have this artist or writer, creator, whatever, that is just like, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to do it sometime, but yeah. Not right now. Like, I just don't know how that works, Like I said, you know, I I think, again, we've talked about this before, and I think this is kind of the same conclusion that I came to before, but I guess they just have a different... They just have a different mentality when it comes to... They have to. to, It's got to be more of an artistic passion project, right? right? I mean, it's not just, well, I've got 12 months to put out the rest of the story kind of thing, right? And, I mean, it's probably better for the story, but the fact is, is, like... There's so much need for that that story to continue. Like anybody that I know that likes Berserk is like, when are we getting more? Or you know, yeah. or, or like I said, Vampire Hunter D. Um, you know, when are we getting more? Um, but there's just no nothing out there that's saying, hey, it's coming. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at right. least at least tell me, hey, uh, you know, by 2025, we give me some schedule or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just feels like it's in this like this void of, you know, possibly never seeing right. more, possibly getting more, um, and even for me, it's the anime too. Like I said, it's one thing that the manga is continuing, mm-hmm. even if it's at a very very slow rate. Right. Um, but for me, I just since I'm not, again, I guess I could stomach reading it mm-hmm. um, if I had to, and I had no other way to consume that content. 
but I'd really prefer to watch it. Right. One Punch Man. I mean, I don't remember when One Punch Man came out. I mean, it's been like two or three years since the first season came out. And, I mean, I haven't seen any. I mean, there might be some stuff out there about the second season coming out soon or whatever. But Yeah, it's next I year, mean, I think, right? Is it next year? Yeah. Okay, but. Well, this year, like, sorry. What's, what's taking so long? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because we don't have a good understanding of, like, the production process on how long it takes to draw. Yeah. And, and write and whatever, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's plenty of other shows um, that that go through that every year, yeah. and are releasing content on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. So, I, for me, it's kind of like, what's the holdup? I yeah. mean, uh, and it almost just feels like, if I had to guess, these writers are in some kind of limbo between um, not being sure if what they're doing, like they, they're perfectionists, so it's got to yeah. be like perfect. Um, but they're not really sure what they want to do. Right. So I know a part of it is going to be, of course, um, like the dubbing and subbing of all of it. I mean, I know that that's going to be part of a process, uh, especially if it comes over dubbed. You know, there's, you know, they basically have to re, you know, re-record the entire thing. Well, the audio, yeah, yeah. It's just the audio, right? Yeah, but th- I mean, that's what I'm saying. But then they also have to change the um, animations for the mouths and everything. Do they but, actually change that? Yeah, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I didn't if know you, that. If you if you look back, you'll 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 really notice that. So I mean, some it hasn't always been for every anime, but that's that's something that they definitely do now, for sure. Um, I think Dragon Ball Z they did it. So like all the way back into the '90s, they've been doing that. Yeah, that is a lot of work in that situation. So I mean, if you're listening to this anime creators, just give us the the subs at least. You can hold <laughs> off on the dubs. I don't need that. I just need the story. <laughs> Um, don't worry about having to get too much done. Um, I just, I, you know, it. I feel like it's kind of this self-perpetuating problem, too, because they feel like their animes aren't popular or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not doing well. But then they, they wait. Yeah. I mean, that's eight, why they aren't, years because, because people get bored of yeah. of waiting for certain things. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it Consistency took, is the key, right? Yeah. Like, you have to be releasing the content on a certain basis and yeah. have people be able to expect that because if... If I'm a big Berserk fan and I am waiting like for the next season, the next year, right, and it just doesn't come out, mm-hmm. but then some other show releases a season and I really like it, it's like, well, I can't watch Berserk, so I guess I'll watch this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're making yep. people choose other stuff um, because they don't really have an option. So, I mean, Vampire Hunter D came out in 1985. Okay. Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which is the second movie, came out in 2000. Jeez, it's fifteen. It's years, been fifteen man. years, and we haven't seen the third one. Where's <laughs> yeah? Based on your your working cycle, man, we're we're five, four years late on that. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's a perfect point, and I don't understand. And you're right. I think that's why these aren't popular because they don't have a choice. Yeah, like what? How? No matter how good your story is, whatever, you can't end something in the middle. And then kind of like, oh, yeah, it's coming sometime. Right. While, while, or even not even just say anything about it's, right. it's coming sometime. Like, it's just... Just kind of in limbo. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's forums and stuff like that that talk about this stuff, but it's, you know, I bet you most of that is just speculation because I don't, I don't even imagine that these guys, if they're, if they're out of touch enough with the American market um, and what we want, that they're not creating stuff at a pace that would... Uh, satisfy the American market. They probably are not even considering telling us about that. Kind no, of stuff. probably like, not. Well, I mean, just look at Nintendo. I mean, they don't tell anybody anything anymore. You know, you get they don't really care. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just 
you'll find out when it happens. And, and I get it, you know, a different culture, um, you know, different expectations, but man, if they want to be successful over here, it's just, it just feels like they're just throwing away money. That to me, that's what um, I, feel. I mean, to me, I'm like, there are people that and disappointing their stuff. fans. Yeah. You know, which, which again is you're losing money on that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time you leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth, that's a chance that they're not going to buy whatever it is you come out with next, right. no matter how much they liked the first stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's just, it's a really interesting thing, but on the topic of anime, we kind of, um, we've been tossing around this discussion a little bit of like the different types of anime. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because, um, there are really distinct styles and I think, um, they make sense. And a lot of our favorite stuff fall into kind of some categories um, so the, the probably the most popular is um, shonen anime and, and shonen, um, which literally translates to few years, um, is kind of referring to like a teenage boy kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, and if you look at the things that are considered um, shonen, you have stuff like Dragon Ball and Naruto, One Piece, Attack on Titan, um, Hunter Hunter is a shonen. Um, my Hero Academia is a shonen. So you have these like younger, um, kind of prolific. You the know, one that I find kind of weird is Attack on Titan fitting in that category. Well, I mean, I guess I kind of get because it. Because Aaron is Aaron's a teenager, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the main character. But in man, him. is it graphic? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. Um, well, it doesn't mean that these are referred to. Um, that age group, I guess, specifically like their ch- more childish content. Yeah, I think it means it like the story is focusing on a protagonist that's mm-hmm. kind of in that demographic, right? Right. Um, so you've got kind of this younger male, um, you know, and it's focused on action and adventure and stuff like that. Um, and, and these are a lot, you know. I mean, a lot of really, po- I think Shonen is probably the most popular. In general, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got mean, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, you know, One Piece, Naruto. I mean, My Hero Academia, Attack on Titan. Like, most of the big series that you see, especially here in the West, um, are shonen. Yeah. So, thanks, I mean, mostly thanks to Toonami. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's what started it all around here. Um, the other... The other uh, thing about that is the first anime magazine that we ever had was shonen jump right you know so that that helped kind of solidify that, that being genre, as popular yeah. here um because it was a way for people to that were ravenous about um you know their anime to get more yeah. information about it and it's interesting because um and we'll get into some of the other categories later but you know when i go on like the funimation app or Crunchyroll or something to watch something i'm trying to find something new Mm-hmm. The, the fact that this was the that shonens were what was on Toonami and Shonen Jump and like this is what to me an anime is, yeah, right. Like when I think of an anime, for the most part, like this is what I'm thinking of. It's got to have some really dynamic kind of um, hero protagonist, mm-hmm. and, and it's got to have action and adventure and this kind of stuff. But then you look at some of these other animes that are on like these the apps that are you know. They don't fall into this category. Fall, and we'll talk about some of those other later, but and, and they're more drama. Mm-hmm. You know, they're more like some other things that to me don't define an anime, right? You know, I'm not yeah. like trying to watch an anime about some uh, high school clique 
Yeah, but but man, that, that po- shit exists. Super popular. But that shit exists. So, um, and you're right; it is very popular. So for me, it's really interesting because looking at like if you were to you know ten years ago or so before I was more into this kind of culture, if you asked me what an anime is, I would define it by saying all it was. A sh- I would say it was yeah. a shonen without calling it a shonen. I would mm-hmm. say, well, it's got to have you know action and adventure. It's got to have you know some really cool main character. He's probably. I mean, I probably wouldn't have said he's a male, but like he usually is a male, you right. know, and stuff like that. So um, it's just kind of interesting. Um, and then the second big category um, is uh, seinen, I guess is how you would say that. I don't know. Seinen, seinen. Yeah. Seinen, seinen. Can, excuse like my Japanese. S-E-I-N-E-N. Yeah. <laughs> However you um, want to say it. And, and so this is referring to men that are that are a little older. And they say 15 to 24. Um, and But I, I don't know that I really... These age groups are kind of arbitrary to me. Because right. like you said, I mean, even Attack on Titan is certainly a little more graphic mm-hmm. um, than, than a lot of the others. That, for somebody to be... 12 and be watching attack on titan where people are getting bitten half and stuff i mean yeah that doesn't really fit for me so um and again i so i think it's more referring to maybe the characters or whatever but regardless this is more of an older um focus towards an older audience i guess i mean if you would you know you're kind of defining shonen as your or shonen is yours seen is definitely what I would consider anime, because that's what I grew up with, right? Is this style? I mean, I mean, I watched Dragon Ball Z, but that was not my first foray into anime. That's not what really got me into loving anime. And when you kind of hit the list of what uh, movies or show movies and shows fall into that, like that's exactly you know what I liked when I was yeah. you know when I got it, and what I still like. And there's not, it's not as popular anymore. It doesn't it's not. seem so. And this is um, what I would almost call the quintessential 90s anime category, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, um, you know, you have stuff like Berserk, which you talked about earlier, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, Helsing, um, stuff like that, yep. which is for sure kind of probably also like Trigun and um, Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Like you have these like grittier yeah. um, series that are more, you know, they say they may be more violent, which is certainly probably the case, but they're also more psychological. Yeah. Like, there's more... Trigun f- probably, like, rides that line, because it, it does. has It's some a little goofier, yeah. but... But uh, but I definitely agree. I mean, you could put it on either side of that line, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't say you're wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's... They, they are more... They, are, they do tend to be a little bit more violent. They do tend to be a lot more adult in nature, but they, they just feel... They tend to feel more real to me. And I don't mean that in a, like, this is realistic and these things would happen, uh, or these things could happen. But in the thought of how the world is set up, things tend to make more sense to me in those. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, even in the Ghost and Show, yeah, ridiculous stuff happens, but it's set in a future society, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In Berserk, um, you have this world where most of the time through the golden age of, of berserk like nothing crazy is happening yeah they're just soldiers yeah um and of course you depart from that a little bit towards the end but mm-hmm. but still for the most part that world kind of makes sense versus something like dragon ball z where you're like okay these guys can fly they're yeah. shooting giant energy beams out of their hand like there's limitless possibility it's just right. they're it's just more fantastical and again you know i don't think that that necessarily takes away from it it's just not what i prefer right and and honestly it's one of the things <clears throat> that i do like um about an anime mm-hmm. um is that kind of um 
out it's a little bit out there and it's right. I, like there's nothing i like more than finding some hero or whatever that's just like crazy power not really a hero because a lot of times I, I like characters that are not the protagonist mm-hmm. um but that are just like crazy powerful right and can do some crazy stuff and that you know it always gets me hyped up and stuff to think about that um and, and one of the things i want to hit on is their, their description here is it, it's more psychological in nature right which i would agree with mm-hmm. like Whereas in a, in a shonen, you seem the focus is more on like the fighting and yeah, the action and adventure, and, and, and then and then when you get into this scene in category, you have more of like it, there's an underlying plot that's mm-hmm. like really important, and there's a you typically a little bit better character development, right, um, and stuff like that where where it's not just about big swords and giant weapons. Yeah, it's and, more and, detail oriented. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure, and I think that obviously lends itself to an older audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, I mean, again, it's hard to... And, and to me, even just the grittier animation style, like, to me, this is like, when I think of, like, 90s anime, right. outside of, like, Dragon Ball Z, this is what I think of, mm-hmm. you know, it, are these shows. Yeah. Um, what's another one that's... Um, Ninja Scroll's a big one. Ninja Scroll. I, I feel um, goes into this. Like, um, is it... It's a samurai one. But Roni Kenshin? Yeah. Yeah. And like even maybe Yu Yu Hakusho, although that's probably more of a shonen. Yeah, yeah, because it's a little bit goofier and a little bit towards a younger audience. What's interesting about uh, Roroni Kenshin is that I would say that it fits a little bit more into the shonen until you watch the movies. Uh, yeah, Samurai X. Like, if you ever have you ever seen those? Mm. They're really good. But I think that they took the themes that were in the original Roroni Kenshin and kind of adulted them up a little bit. Yeah. And then they, they uh, enhanced the uh, animation a little bit. And I think that when you watch that, you would, I would definitely put it in the scene in category um, right. for Samurai X. Um, so then going down to some of the other types of anime, you have Shoujo, which is translated as young girl. So, um, this is kind of like the female counterpart to your shonen, yeah. right? And the Sailor big, Moon. Yeah, I say the biggest one here is your <laughs> Sailor Moon, right? Out, out of the other ones on this list, uh, Nana, Revolutionary Girl, Utina, Fushigi, Yuga, Yugi, and uh, Oren High School Host Club. Yeah, never heard of I, any never of heard those. Never heard of any of those except for Sailor Moon. So um, this is interesting because it says it's aimed at girls, um, and they tend to focus on romance and interpersonal relationships. Though this doesn't mean they're without action or adventure like Sailor Moon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you're you're kind of focusing on that that younger female generation here. But again, this is like a lot of those ones that, like I said, when I'm looking at this list online, like this isn't an anime. Like it may have been animated in Japan, in, but like in my head, this is not what right. an anime is, right? Like high school host club. I don't think that that I would want to watch that, right? <laughs> um, so it's just interesting because the more I looked into this, it's kind of like eye opening that mm-hmm. this is kind of there's a broader category here and some of the things that I really didn't realize. Yeah, I mean, what's really crazy though is when you really start looking into how many different animes. Oh, there it's are unreal, out there. man! It's insane how many different types of animes there and are. And I think out it's there. because if, it's it's persisted, right? Yeah. So you have anime starting back in the '80s, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there was actually. I don't know. Gundam was one of the first ones I know of, and it was back yeah, in the eighties. I don't 80s. know of any that were earlier than the eighties. So let let us know if you know of some. Yeah, anime maybe that we're came missing it, but you that. know, so it, but it's still going. Like right. up to today, we still have shonen anime. Like mm-hmm. it's still being done. Right. Whereas when it comes to American cartoons, like they got really big in the seventies, 
mm-hmm. you know, with toys, really. Yeah. You know, you have, like, Transformers and G.I. Joe and, and Star Wars. Like, like, yeah, and He-Man. Like, stuff like that started to popularize, um, like, cartoons, I think, really, is mm-hmm. based on merchandise. Um, but that's not really persisted. Yeah, I mean, He-Man's a perfect example of that because He-Man was created. Yeah, so it was Transformers. For the toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you, you have these genres that really, they existed. And so was G.I. Joe, right? They existed to mm-hmm. support the toy line. Right. I um, mean, you don't really see. And they out, I mean, for the most part, they pretty much outlived the toy line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you you just don't really see that, that kind of same drive, I guess, behind American Western cartoons that you do anime yeah but i mean you know i mean i guess this could be to the point of the the japanese that that it has persisted this long because um you know we run through a whole series in you know eight to ten years or whatever and then you never really see anything about it again it's gone but you know some of these animes i mean like i said i mean i'm still talking about vampire hunter d and that was that came out the year I was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, we're talking about thirty-four years ago. Oh yeah, no, I mean it's for um, sure been a while. Um, but I'm just thinking now, like, what are some of the popular American cartoons? Yeah. And I can't think of any. Like, I mean, you got the Simpsons. Well, no, I mean like, like kid cartoons. Like those yeah. are. I almost don't even. They're cartoons, but I don't. Those are comedies. Like, mm-hmm. and they're focused towards an adult audience. I, I'm trying to think of things that kind of mirror anime. Um, and I guess I just don't consider like Family Guy or, or The Simpsons to yeah. be that. I mean, I guess they are though. Really, I feel like The Simpsons does because I mean, most of us as kids, I would say, probably watch The Simpsons. I mean, I started watching The Simpsons when I was like five years old. Yeah. Um, and I think they so. And persist. I guess I was just never Family Guy. I would say that you're probably right. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't feel like the same genre, even it's, though it's animated. Yeah. It's kind of like Rick and Morty. Like Rick and Morty yeah. is a cartoon, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. Or like Archer. Like yeah. those. That's an American cartoon, but it's not really aimed at kids. Yeah. It's not really meant to fulfill this kind of thing. Right. Um, Futurama, I would say, kind of worked for kids and adults, too. But, I mean, that was made by the same people that did The Simpsons. Um, but Futurama did have more adult themes to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you really look at, like, Nickelodeon cartoons and, you know, cartoons that came out on Cartoon Network, there's not really a lot that have persisted as long as no, and that's, yeah. has. Um, right. Or so, even close to as long. Yeah. Uh, which is just really interesting to me. But um, So then moving down, we also have uh, the next category, which is Jose, which is uh, basically um, the alternate of the scene in which it's, it's kind of for adult women. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are, uh, it says a lot of romantic stuff. Um so it's actually interesting that they it says that they've gravitated towards more shonen like action adventures have been popular in recent years, um, but it seems like these focus on interpersonal relationships and can cover a lot of adult themes. Um, so I don't know. Again, these Loveless Paradise Kiss, Honey and Clover, O Seven Ghost, Makai Ouija, Devils and Realist. I have not heard of any of those. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting for me that, that it exists and it's a big category, but I, I don't even know what any of that is. Um, and then we have one final category that's di- basically directed at children, which is Koto Mumuke, I guess is how you would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the only one that I recognize on this list is uh, Hello Kitty. Yeah, um, which, which I I've actually, never even seen before. I didn't even know, <laughs> didn't even know it was an anime. Yeah, I thought it was mostly <laughs> just like a merchandise thing, right? Like right. A, 
you know, I, but I, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, so that's um, going to be like your really chibi looking, yeah, like really goofy, distorted. Stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say like your like your uh, like your Bugs Bunny and like Speed Racer probably gets. Yeah, kinda, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like some of those really t- like shunted towards kids, like all the. Um, Looney Tunes and like Tom and Jerry mm. and stuff like that, you know. Right. It's probably their parallel to some of that kind of stuff, but but probably also like you said, more chibi and really more exaggerated cuteness right. and stuff. Yep. Um, but uh, so on the topic of anime, um, I and I've been watching Hunter Hunter recently again. I think it's like round three or something like that. I I like to go through them again and um usually and see if I can pick up on some new stuff. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's more, there's more genres of anime too that are out there. Cause I'm, I mean, you're going to have your sub genres of those, those yeah, five sure. main ones. Um, one that I th- can think of, which is kind of a, it's, it sounds kind of weird, but there's some ones out there that like, if you really look at it, they do follow that, that way is it's harem. So, I mean, a harem is like what you would think of as a harem where there's a guy and a bunch of women or his harem or whatever. But that's there's some animes that are like that. And Yu Yu Hakusho was like that where it was basically, um, you know, a guy and he had this harem of women that were around him. And they didn't necessarily idolize him or anything like that, but they all were connected to him in one way or right. another, and they kind of supported him and were Inuyasha, a part of... would that be another one? I mean, it's, he had some Inuyasha, I would say probably... Yeah, because most... I mean, most of the... Most of the side characters in that were females. Um, yeah, that would definitely be one. Um, I think that uh, the one I talked about before, GTO, Great Teacher... Uh, Onimusha, um, that would kind of fall into that. But, you know, and, and that's one of those that probably can straddle some of the lines on which which one it was. Because, like, Yu Yu Hakusho, like, I watched when I was really, really, really young. Um, but it's still got that kind of harem thing going on. So it's not, like, harem isn't, like, necessarily, like, an adult theme thing. And no. I'm sure that there are some out there that are probably adult themed because there's other genres of anime that we're not going to go into. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Don't want to go there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there, you know, if we missed any, let us know. I mean, I'm sh- again, I'm sure that there's, there's a ton out there. We just, you know, they're not really necessarily ones that we've been into. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but those are the main ones. I kind of want to talk about that because I, I really didn't know that it was that, um, that diverse, I guess, um, and, and that specific. Um, but yeah, so I, it's interesting. Yu Yu Hakusho is actually written by the same guy that wrote Hunter Hunter, okay. um, same creator. So, um, it, it's no wonder that I like both of those a lot. And one of the things that I really like about Hunter Hunter, and it goes back to, um, I've mentioned it before, but you have a lot of world building going on. And one of the things that I really like is in certain pieces of the show, they like, really explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have just Goku all of a sudden firing a Kamehameha and you're like, I don't know, how did you just summon a giant energy blast? Right. Like, you'll have some crazy stuff happen in a fight, and then it's almost unnatural because it doesn't make sense, but, like, in the middle of the fight, they'll stop and talk about how somebody did something. Mm -hmm. And while that does, it's not conducive to, like, that would never really happen, right? But... As a viewer, it's, it gives you some kind of insight into like how these people are using their powers, how they work, 
and that kind of thing, which gives you some kind of logic behind it. Right. And it gives you some reasonableness to the power scale, too, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have in Dragon Ball Z where it's like, oh, all of a sudden I can just now do all this stuff. Right. Um, you kind of have these logical um, abilities and how they stack and compare with one another and stuff like that. Um, but it's funny because they, they do uh, – one of the things I like about it is they do – a really good blend of action and comic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really hard balance to it find. Is, it really is. I mean, just look at the DC movies, man. Yeah. Like they're really struggling with finding that balance. Whereas the you know the Avengers and you know all the the Marvel movie, well, not all the Marvel movies, but for in general, the Marvel movies have really found that good balance of that. And I mean, there's definitely some animes that, uh, that do a good job with that too. Um, Roni Kenshin is one yeah. that, that I can think and of. And my hero does a really good job yeah. too. I mean, they did a, you know, um, there's a lot of really good action in that and a lot of good seriousness, but a lot, a lot of goofy, um, components too. And it's interesting. One of the characters in there, um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but he's the, the, the kid with the, the balls on his head, the purple balls, I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, <laughs> but he's he's really that's his purpose for being there um, is comic relief, right? And oh, the guy that throws the little sticky yeah, balls, yeah, the little sticky balls. <laughs> um, man, what is his name? Because uh, he's not obviously not super important to the story, and it was right. kind of funny because someone um, was talking about how they they thought that the he could just go away and the story would progress the same, right? Yeah. Like, he just made no impact. Like, why is he there? Um, and I guess I understand that. But at the same time, if you look at it, a lot of the reason he's there is because um, of comic relief. But also, his character goes through some really good... Min- Minoru? It's, min- like uh, it is start with an M, yeah. Man. Uh, hold on. We're going to find it. Come on. Where's my class 1A? Mineta. Yeah. Minoru Mineta. Yeah. So Mineta. So anyways, his char- someone was complaining that his character was just completely unnecessary and he didn't add anything to the story. But if you actually watch the story going back to the very beginning, he's really timid and really shy. Mm-hmm. And he's afraid that his ability is not going to live up. Or he's not going to be able to do anything worthwhile with it, right? Mm-hmm. That he's he's not going to. But throughout the story, he kind of gains confidence. And there are certain times in the story, or it's vital to what they're they're trying to what do. he's doing, or yeah. even even if it's not, he's just coming out of his shell and, yeah. and trying and like overcoming that fear. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's relevant to the story because part of what the story is showing is how you ha- what like the trials and tribulations of becoming a hero and yeah. what that's going to be like. So, I mean, I think some character who has self-doubt and and maybe their ability is not as crazy as somebody else's mm. but they still have to do the same job and how does that character deal with that and how do they yeah. develop throughout the story I, mean, I mean that's important one punch man is another excellent example of that oh, too yeah, for because sure. i mean they really do a good job in my opinion of balancing how much of a farce the whole thing is and the action and the seriousness of his plight, you know, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's not just a big farce. I mean, there. I think that there's a lot of really good character development in that show, and there's a lot of realism um, and real struggle. Um, even though he doesn't struggle, he's you know, like in the fights, he struggles with everything else. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so so I, out of stuff that I like in animes, you know, I really like um, like when they can explain things and what they're doing makes sense. I like when there's a good balance between comic relief and seriousness, and I also really like when there's like a constant development and almost like there's not like they do a good job of not making it predictable, mm-hmm. um, and you don't really know where the story's going. Like right, like you know, a lot of stuff, and, and especially like. You know, you will go watch, like you mentioned DC movies. One of the things they also do poorly is it's really predictable most yeah. of the time. Um, and, and obviously it's a superhero movie. Like, it can only be so so many wild balls. But, I mean, considering the first Infinity War movie, I mean, nobody really saw that coming for the most part. Right. Like you said, even you knowing that that was going to happen at some point didn't realize that that was going to happen in that movie. Right. Because that whole movie was structured in a way that you were on the edge of your seat, like, what's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Um, and th- that's why that was such a good movie, right? So I like when when stories can and animes can do that same thing, too, because they fall into the trap a lot of times of being predictable. You get some character that's just really powerful, mm-hmm. and you get this obvious bad guy, and then it's like, okay, this guy's going to do something, and you know, and, and, yeah. and, the, and there's never really any conflict, and you're not, yeah. you're not learning, and you're not guessing, and and there's no kind of good twists or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate when anim- when animes or actually any show um, fall into that whole sitcom thing yeah. where it's like Very every situation yeah. or every episode is just an episode into itself, and it doesn't really build on to the next yeah, episode. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, I know you're not really a big fan of Big Bang Theory, but that's one of the things that I kind of like about that show is that they do there. There's always a couple things going on in the background of that show that that adds to the next season or whatever. Um, but they still, I mean, it is a sitcom, so the basis of that show is that everything's wrapped up at the end of every episode. You know. Right. Um, I don't like that as much in most anime and that kind of thing because I want there to be more that I'm wondering about when it's over. I want right. to be thinking about well, what's the next episode going to bring as, instead of well, the next episode is going to be the next big bad guy. That yeah, we and, and that's yet. one of the things that I that I will say is a gripe of mine with Dragon Ball Z because they do they keep you interested in the next episode, but they do it in a shitty way. Right? Yeah. They just don't advance the plot right. hardly any in the course <laughs> of an episode. And so, like, you get to this pivotal moment at the end of a 20-minute episode or whatever, and you're like, oh, now I want to know what happens yeah. next. And then it's just but it's not continued. Be- but if you look at what actually happened in the context of that 20-minute episode, like, nothing really happened. Yeah. But, like, that small little crux of a moment, they just put right at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it obviously works for them, and it keeps you coming back and wanting to watch more to see what happens. But I don't feel like... It's you really get that in depth, yeah. you know, desire to. I think want it worked for the nineties really unfold. well because every, the biggest thing in the nineties were sitcoms. I mean, that was what drove TV. Oh, for in sure. The 90s. Yeah, I mean Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> um, Friends. Yeah. I mean, you know all that, all those shows. Um, but I don't think it works as well now. And I've noticed that um, you know with Dragon Ball Super, at least the episodes that I did get through, it's not as as bad. It's not a lot um, more does happen. Yeah. Um, and it, it, every, every episode doesn't feel like a complete conclusion to, to what's going on, or it doesn't leave you with that to be continued thing. Like there's, there's enough balance in it that it makes you feel satisfied with watching the episode, right, but you still want to see the, but next you still want to see the next episode. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure that that's hard to do. I mean, um, especially when the easiest thing to do is do a sitcom, yeah. you know, so 
And the other thing that I really like, and this is probably the last thing that I'll that I'll say, is I like when there's a sense of mystery about something in the show. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean it's like they're not necessarily portraying it from the beginning. Like you know how some when I say mystery, and, and you have some shows that'll like make it an obvious thing, like somebody's doing something shady, but mm-hmm. they just kind of allude to them doing something shady the whole time. And you don't really yeah. like you know they're doing something. But I don't really like that. I like when you have like. Uh, and that can be decent, but I like when they just introduce you to characters and you're not sure how relevant they're going to be in the story. Mm-hmm. But there's that sense of the world is bigger because later in the show, maybe a character that was only in the show for once or twice, one or two episodes earlier in the series, is now a pivotal part of the plot. Right. And and then they you learn more about that character and you go in more into that direction. And, and to me, just it feels broader mm-hmm. um, and more well thought out, right? Because very rarely, at least... For me, anything I've done in life is not just circle around three, four people. Yeah. You know, you, you meet yeah, something absolutely. new and they do something crazy or something different happens and, and you know, your your worldview kind of grows as time goes on. And that's mm-hmm. a good anime, in my opinion. That's how it feels is over time your worldview grows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you kind of get this big scale. And, and going back to what you said about the shonens, there are a lot of them are, are really fantastical and a lot of crazy stuff can happen. And it's this usually really interesting setting. So, like, to me, the accomplishment in that is to show this, like, well, show me what you've created, right? Yeah. Like, you've got all these cool ideas, so, like, flesh them out. You've got, like, you've shown, you've introduced me to 40 characters, but, like, you really only spend time talking about two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see some of the, somebody else. Let somebody yeah, else have some fun. There's got to be something cool that this guy over here does. or what, you I know? mean, it, it, one of the things in Dragon Ball Z that I would really like to see is more of the fleshing out of, like, how things became the way that they are in Dragon Ball Z. You know, maybe a prequel to to Dragon Ball where, you know, we see why martial arts are just so important in this universe and why the Dragon Balls really are the way that they are. You know, it's not, I mean, it's more yeah, like than just stuff on Namek the Namics, or, yeah. and, you know, or the, the Namikians or whatever on, on Earth, but, like, learn more about why they would even bring that to Earth and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, you get you get some little hints of that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, I think they said Kami's parents sent him in a spaceship, yeah. right? But, yeah, I mean, you get why? some hints of that. I mean, yeah, what I mean, happened? Why did they do that? I mean, exactly. you know, I mean, seeing him as a kid grow up or something mm-hmm. could be really cool stories. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's the guardian of Earth. What is that? Right. What's that about? We don't really know anything about that mm-hmm. besides he split, you know, the evil from himself and that became King Piccolo, yeah. right? And, I mean, that wouldn't even have to be something that was a whole show unto itself. No, I mean, it could just be a small story arc, right? Yeah, either a small story arc or maybe he becomes a big character in, you know, Super or something like that. Like, he comes back and he's like this big character and you see some of these flashbacks or whatever to how he got yeah, to, to that flash- point. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You've yeah. got so many interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And Dragon Ball, I will say, does a poor job of this, right? They give you this these wide characters, and most of the time, all you get to see is a little fight. Yeah. But there's no character building. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I like Vegeta so much, is because he's one of the only characters outside of Goku that they actually give character building to. Right. Um, and so, um, but yeah, that, those are the kind of the things that I look for in an anime and that have really kept me, um, that usually keep me coming back. Um, and Hunter Hunter is one of the ones that, that I really like. Because mm-hmm. um, it kind of mixes all that stuff, and it's just it's kind of like Berserk, where like you get to a you think it's going in one direction, oh yeah, and then it's like curveball, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell? I mean, where does this come from? Um, but it all is kind of cool, and it it all still makes sense in the context of the universe. So, yeah. um, so that works for me. But, um, so then I mean, speaking of you mentioned realism a little bit earlier, so um, you know, if we want, 
I think realism is a, is an important topic because we I hear that a lot. Oh yeah. When you, when you when people talk about games or movies or TV shows or whatever is well, it's not realistic or, yeah. or whatever. I'm really bad about that. I'm yeah, really and I bad. am. There, I mean, I actually, um, <laughs> you know, people talk about the show Lost, mm-hmm. and and um, I, I watched the first episode of that for like five minutes. And at one point in time, they were like they crash on the beach or whatever on mm-hmm. the island, and like their plane is just exploding for no reason. And I was like, why is that plane just blowing up? Right, <laughs> like planes just don't crash and then just blow up yeah. after everybody has conveniently had a time to exit the plane. Hmm. If it's gonna blow up, it'd have blown up long before that. Yeah, that's that show was definitely not a good example. <laughs> so, so that's kind of my thing, right? Is it's hard for me to to grasp a lot of the time, but I will say I think um, it's it's important to let that sense of realism go, depending mm. on on what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the point. And 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 when we say realism, we're also talking about like like historical accuracy and that oh kind yeah of thing. sure it's a very broad category right are we talking about is it accurate to physics mm-hmm. is it accurate to um, you know maybe like mili- how military actually functions right is it accurate? or the historic timeline that's what I'm saying or or history like- <laughs> I mean there, there's a lot of things that you could kind of or know. in the future could this be a realistic thing because of physics or right. um, you know some kind of does it does it even if it's completely fantastical does it feel like it could be real does the explanation that tells us how we got here make it feel like that could okay i could see how if this circumstance was met that that would be a real thing yeah for sure and that's what i mean when i talked about mass effect that was like i mentioned then that was one of my favorite things yeah. about that series mm-hmm. was they gave you explanations for the technology that they had in their world right which to me makes i mean makes me happy right it's like i can look i'll i'll, I'll make an assumption or i'll go out on a limb but like you got to try yeah you know and they tried hey if and it's like assuming we had this element zero that they had in mass effect and mm-hmm. it functioned like they said it functioned all the shit that I'm seeing in that game would make perfect sense. Right. Um, and so to me, it's like, okay, I'm good. You know, it's, it, it, I have no more disbelief and, and I can kind of swallow that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you've got like, uh, you know, one of the most popular things that people talk about being unrealistic or whatever is, um, you know, traveling beyond the speed of light in outer space, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, you know, many, many scientific, Movies have created their own thing on on how it works. Um, you know, you've got you know in some some genres you'll have um, you know like wormholes. Yeah, and uh, you know if you understand anything about the theoretical physics of a wormhole, it kind of makes sense. Like it's this weird way of taking a step from one part one part of reality because reality is not a three-dimensional like we think about it it's you know multi you know even further dimensional i don't know what string three like seven dimensions or something something like that that. um and you can kind of like cut through some of the dimensions through these wormholes um kind of like a pipe um and it just kind of gets you there a little bit faster than if you were just going to go along you know a xy or a you know a y axis or something like that you're kind of like cutting through um and going through an a axis or yeah something like that so Going, I mean, Mass Effect again is just such a a, a beacon of of realism. This is even how how far into detail that goes. Speaking of faster than light travel, and um, 
the way that it goes is that so element zero, I think I mentioned before, makes a mass effect field when it's charged a certain way. So you have you can reduce the mass mm-hmm. or make them or increase the mass, I think, of whatever's inside that field. So you have a mass effect kind of reactor in your ship, and it's going to make your ship and everything in it really, really light. Mm-hmm. So that your thrusters obviously are a lot more effective. Right. Um, but part of the cool thing is when they talk about faster than light travel, they mention at a certain point in the game that you're only accelerating up until the halfway point of your journey. And mm-hmm. then you have to spend the second half of your journey decelerating. Right. Because if you were just accelerating the whole time at the faster than the speed of light, how are you going to stop? Right. Because yeah. in space, there's no gravity, there's mm-hmm. no wind resistance, there's nothing, right? Yeah. So an object in motion in space is going to stay in motion. So if you want to stop, you got to apply the thrusters in the backwards direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that definitely um, makes sense. So that's kind of just, uh, that's how far that they thought that out, right? Is, well, can we just go really fast? Well, how do we stop? You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and Absolutely. that's that's part of that um that discussion. So I really appreciate the effort that goes into some of that stuff when people have thought that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um not that it's probably relevant for the majority of the people that are playing that game, they probably don't care. Yeah, but I mean the people that care about details, I mean those those little details are gonna really matter, give right? you that immersion yep. and they bring you more into that world. Um, you know, kind of going to the opposite side of the spectrum when you look at like historical accuracy and and realism yeah um you know you can kind of go to like world war ii is probably one of the most popular things to look at and like what would have happened in world war ii like watching saving private ryan i mean there's so many historical inaccuracies in that movie that just you know just little things that wouldn't necessarily have happened or that didn't even happen at all but in that movie it was portrayed that that it happened um i mean just the quest to find ryan is pretty unrealistic. I mean, stuff like that kind of happened, but that actual adventure never happened. Like, nobody went and found Private Ryan to get him home because of, you know, this situation. Um, And when you look at uh, the way that the military was run back then, you know, some things would have been a little bit different. But the thing is, is that they hit so many, uh, you know, so many strides correctly in that movie that most people don't even worry about that stuff because it's just not really relevant for them so um in that context like i think it's i think it's a pretty good movie um but you have a lot of um world war ii movies that are that just don't hit it enough um one that i'm kind of thinking of is uh oh god now i can't think of the name of the movie um is it newer? Yeah, it's one of the newer ones. It's where they're, they're in the tanks. Um, um, it's with Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. Um, what the heck is the name of that movie? They're driving uh, Easy Eight. Inglorious Bastards? No. That's a good example, but that's not the one that I'm thinking of. It's where they're... I've got it sitting over there. I'm trying to read it from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, anyway. We're bad at names, man. I swear. <laughs> I should have should have thought of that before no. googled that before I uh, brought it up. But anyway, this movie Fury, Fury. Thank you. This movie is about you know these guys that are tank drivers, and there's just so many things that are historically inaccurate, like the way that the ballistics of the guns are, um, how the uh, how the tiger was kind of the tiger tank was defeated, and and it's its weapons potential against the the Shermans, the American Shermans and whatnot. Um, 
that it kind of takes you out of it. But the thing is, is the story in that one was interesting enough to where it didn't matter to where it just it like I knew these things were wrong, but it didn't bother me that right. much. Um, you know, so another one that I'm kind of thinking of with with military and whatnot is I don't remember if I brought this up on the podcast or if I was just talking to you about it, but did I talk about Starship Troopers? You mentioned it, yeah, the rank. And, like, the ranks and stuff like that. Like, that's, like, now, I'm not saying that that's inaccurate because that's their own little world or whatever, but if you were basing that off real military, it it wasn't accurate. And so it's just kind of one of those things that, like, most people probably never see, but the people that are looking for details catch these little things, and like it just kind of bothers you a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, so for me, when we're talking about World War II, the quintessential one for me is Band of Brothers. I mean, it's oh, not really yeah. a movie, but mm-hmm. I feel like if I mean, I it is to, a ten-hour-long movie. Yeah, I mean, if if I wanted to pick something that that was probably the most accurate portrayal of what that looked like, I would mm-hmm. have to say that that was it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, and they had a lot of actual veterans that were there, um, you know. Taking story, parts about that right? kind of yeah. thing and and giving them some ideas, but again, I mean, I'm sure you could find a YouTube video that Going, just completely yeah, breaks yeah. breaks apart. But they did it well enough that the average Joe or even people that really do love it and pay attention to those things didn't mind too much because I think most people can really appreciate the fact that it is one of the most accurate movies that has ever been portrayed, and they don't hit every nail on the head, but they do a really good job um and everything along the line is good in that movie like right. the look of it the pacing of it the character the character I mean, development yeah, awesome. the the actual story of what they're going through from beginning to end um you know getting that that's those scenes from them doing kind of their basic training and, yep running and, up curry and stuff yeah and i mean just you you really feel like you're a part of that of easy company mm-hmm. you know so i i think that they did a fantastic job with that um the question really i think you have to ask yourself when it comes to realism is does it matter and this yeah. is this is the, you know like you mentioned you, you get to you get to the point where you have to i guess my, the answer for me is it has to not be distracting that's my thing so, and the other thing is is they can't tell me that it's accurate and it not be accurate. Like if you tell me this is the most um, you know, realistic physics in any game ever. Yeah. And then you go into the game and I put a I put a reticle on somebody's head from fifty yards and I put a reticle on somebody's head from five hundred yards and, I can and both it. of them hit the same spot. Yeah. You know, which is one of the reasons I love PUBG so much right. because that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and and yeah, I agree. Um in games, as far as physics in games, um, I again, it's a game. I guess so. For me, it has to just not be distracting. Right. Like in PUBG, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. But like, I wouldn't be upset if that hit, if it did hit at the same at fifty yards right. as it did at five hundred. Solely because you have to understand that's just in the context of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So in <clears throat> this game, those are the rules of the game. Right. We're not playing real shooting you know like yeah. we're not outside I mean, running and, around shooting and each the other thing that you can kind of put into it is that you are operating as an elite warrior in this game so you putting your reticle on the guy a real soldier is going to adjust the windage 
and everything on the right. on the actual optic the range. Yeah, um, and you can assume that well, maybe my guy did that, that he's already doing that. You know, in this situation, right? You know, and it might be faster than than realistic, but you know, because most of the time you're not just popping off rounds at 500 yards. You no. know what I'm saying? You're taking your time. You're 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 looking at these things, and you're. I mean, most sniper shots happen within 50 to 150 yards, you know? So it's not like, you know, you're going to just be, you know, like in, in Call of Duty or whatever, you see a dot in the distance, you're not just popping off shots at it with your iron sights. Right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, but in the game... Well, you know. and to me, that's when it comes to the game, I almost separate what I expect in realism from mm-hmm. a game and a movie, right? Yeah. Because for me, a movie... Like, I'm watching a story, and, and that story is grounded in some world. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the world that it's grounded in is ours. Right. So I have no problem watching a Star Wars movie and thinking this, the Force exists, because yeah. it's not in our world. Mm-hmm. So I have there, I, I can make zero reasonable assumptions about what is and isn't possible in their setting. Right. But a lot of these other movies, like you're saying, especially if it's a World War, like a war movie or something that's without a doubt based in where we live mm-hmm. and operate i can make a lot of assumptions about how that world works yeah so in those situations when you're doing things that defy realism right when you're you fired your pistol 60 times and haven't reloaded it mm-hmm. that's gonna bug me yeah absolutely. Um, but in a video game i realize i'm playing a game and games have rules mm-hmm. right i don't i don't like jump on call of duty and think oh i'm playing as a soldier out in iraq I'm not. I'm yeah. playing a game. Yeah. It has a it has a board, just like if you were to put a board, like a board game, on the table. Yep. It has a map. That's what that's what a map is to me, is the board that we're playing the game on. And the game has rules. In some games, like PUBG, yeah, there's bullet drop, and I have to play the game by the rules mm-hmm. and adjust my strategy for that, vice versa. In a game like Counter-Strike that's hit scan, I don't need to do that. Yeah. And, I mean, also, you know, you're talking about does it take away from the game, like, being too realistic would take away from the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a game, Arma, that, that is that. I mean, that's the point of the game, mm-hmm. is it's a realistic, well, a v- relatively realistic military simulation. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of things in that game that make it a giant pain in the ass to play. Mm-hmm. But for the people that want that experience, it's great. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm looking at, like, Rainbow Six. Yeah. Um, you know, when you play that game and you have to command that whole squad and you're you're doing these squad tactics and you're telling these, you know, squad members go here and there and whatnot. Whereas, you know, that's, for a lot of people, that's not going to be nearly as fun as in Call of Duty. We're just going to take off running as soon right. as the bell hits. And we're going to go try to kill as many people as we can. And we're lobbing grenades, yeah. across, you know, blindly yeah. out into a city street. Like, that would never happen, right? But um, but it happens in it because, it's, again, it's a yeah. game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and in realism outside of that, I mean, in in car games, I guess. But, again, I think too too much realism in a game is, is probably a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I do like things to feel realistic. I like things to feel like... You know, again, in the context of this environment, that could happen. Um, but I don't like it when things break their own rules. You know, um, especially when you have like glitches that do that kind of thing in a game or something like that. I don't really like that. Or, um, you know, when you when in a story, the physics have been this way. But then all of a sudden, somebody gets a power, 
and now they're breaking those physics right. and they're breaking everything um unless it makes unless it really makes sense to the story um sometimes it just feels like you know like Dragon Ball Z is kind of an example of this where it's like well all of a sudden I'm just mad enough that I've hit Super Saiyan level 5 or what you know I mean just you know for where does it stop yeah. kind of thing right and and it's like it just doesn't feel that it's it's so fantastical that it just takes away from the experience for me at that point. I mean, it's cool that he hit this new Super Saiyan level. I mean, that's part of the story that you've gotten used to, and I'm seeing something new. But I feel like it would be cooler if he learned a new technique specifically instead of this un, unfelt power that he now has. Right. You know? Um, but But again, I mean, for some people... Just because there is a precedent for it, then that's it's completely fine, and I don't have a problem with people that feel that way about mm-hmm. it. But just for me personally, it does uh, it's boring. It's just to not me, as it's interesting. boring. Yeah, um, you know, and, and I guess you also beg the question at some point, like, what is realism? Like, if you're playing Diablo, mm-hmm. what is realism? Yeah. Well, we don't know. Again, it goes back to me that we're not, we don't live in that world. Yeah. So for me to say that it's the killing that a paladin swirling a giant magical hammer around him like is not realistic i don't know right maybe it is it does. Yeah. and again i'm playing a game in a, in a game with where those are the rules yeah. so i'm not gonna but if it makes sense that. in that game and in that game it kind of does even though like you'll be in a tunnel and those hammers are going through the walls and the tunnel and stuff <laughs> like that it just like that kind of thing takes a little bit away from it um you know but that's just that's just the way the game is you know, designed or whatever. It's and that's not what I mean. Really, You're playing a game, yeah. right? Just like playing a board game. It's got rules. You, yeah. You roll a certain number of dice. You move a certain number of spaces. Like mm-hmm. you, you have cards you might yeah. play. I mean, that's how it's how you play. It's the unrealistic game, right? that you would roll a uh, a one and fail every single time, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it happens. Yeah. Um, but I think that's an interesting discussion because it does get brought up a lot. Like you know, you hear people complain about something is or isn't realistic. Yeah. And, I mean, I play a lot of games, um, like miniature games and stuff like that, and people will say that that's not realistic or that's not historically accurate or or whatever. Like, um, there's this game called Bolt Action, um, which is a World War II game that's based in, like, 28 millimeters, so it's, you know, your, your guys are about an inch tall, and um, you have tanks that are maybe three or four inches tall, um, and, you know, uh, a rifle can only shoot in that game like 24 inches, which if you did the math... Is not very far. Yeah. I mean, 24 inches, like I said, a guy is about an yeah, inch so tall. What, 120 so, inches? Right. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I mean, if a guy is an inch tall, so feet. six foot, that's <laughs> 10 feet. You know what I mean? It's, um, you know, it's just not... Well, no, so if a guy... If a guy is an inch... 24 times? Yeah. So if a guy is one inch and you're shooting 24 inches, so that's 24 guys. Yeah. So 24 times 6 is 100... Right. 144 feet. Yeah. So would be about... Yeah. And, you know, that might be somewhat realistic, but then, like, a... Um, like a, a howitzer or something yeah. like that can only fire like forty eight inches, yeah, which like is this, double this that. Thing and it's like could shoot wherever the hell it wants. That thing shoots literally miles away, you know. But you have to truncate it to the size of a You're four by a eight ta- or yeah. a four by six table or something like that. And you know, if guns were super realistic to to the way that they should be in real life, you know, it might feel like 
it would be more immersive for some people. For other people, it would just be like, well, I'm just going to take the all the guns that can shoot from across the whole game store, and I, you know, I never have to worry about measuring anything. Or you know, part of the experience is like measuring. Oh, am I am I actually in range? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, it it that would take away from some of the experience of playing the game because then you're literally just rolling dice instead of using tape measures and deciding. Am Making I close decisions, enough? Right, and having and, strategy, yeah, yeah. exactly, I mean, for sure. So, like I said, I mean, to me, realism is kind of a. It's it to me. I would say it's more of a topic in movies and mm-hmm. shows than it is in games. Yeah, because in games you have to, you have to skirt realism to play a game, right? Because um, most, you know, I mean, like you said, there's just too many. You would have there's not enough constraints, I guess, if we were basing it on realism, or there would be too many, depending on what facet of realism we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would just make too too much of a boring experience. Yeah. So why don't you guys tell us um, some of the things that bother you that are not realistic enough in games or movies, or things that you are examples of movies that or games that you feel like hit it on the you know hit the nail on the head on yeah. on perfect. Maybe not perfect, but really good realism, and that makes you, and and that realism bringing you more into that story yeah. and enjoying that a lot more. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, John Wick is probably my answer. Yeah, because of the shooting game or shooting movies that you see, I think there's a lot of realism in in what he does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, he's trained with some of the best people out there to make it to make it to that point. I think John Wick too. Takes a little. Yeah. They 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 stretch the uh, they stretch the measuring tape a little bit in that one, but uh, but the first one I think that they do a pretty good job of. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much all we got for you this week, guys. Um, let's see. I, I don't think we have an event this weekend. We just thanks for everybody that came out to our anniversary celebration um, at Rec Bar on Saturday. Uh, hopefully, you guys had a good time. Um, and don't forget again uh, on this Wednesday, the twentieth, we're going to have uh, magic at TTD. Um, we'll probably start between five thirty and six. I mean, I'll be there probably shortly after five. So I mean, mm-hmm. really show up anytime, um, and we'll be there uh, trying to trying to get some commander games going. Well, actually, this will this will post the Friday before our anniversary. Nope. Are you sure? Not? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're a little ahead, so you're probably right. Yeah. I'm I'm a week is, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you're a week ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, my fault. So actually, if you, yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming to our anniversary celebration that hasn't happened. I'm still going to say thank you because you should come anyways. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, Saturday at Rec Bar, we're going to have our first anniversary celebration, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're we're going to have some stuff to raffle away and stuff like that. So um, you guys will you know be able to pick up some cool stuff. Um, and it'll probably be a pretty big event. I mean, we haven't been back at Rec Bar in a while, so they're yeah. usually big. And uh, we're trying to make this one especially big because of um, it being our anniversary. Um, yeah, and to celebrate some of our new sponsors that we've got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've still got those new T-shirts that we put out. So yep. we got uh, got quite a bit of new and a whole lot more new to come, um, including video. Yeah, I promise. I promise we're working on it. Yeah, we are working on a video. Um, but yeah, guys, so so thank you all, not only for listening to the podcast, but for sticking with a nerd like me um, for the last year. We really appreciate you guys. Um, it's been an awesome year. It has been an awesome year, and hopefully, um, you know, we've got a lot of good stuff in store for you this year. We're working on a lot of really cool stuff. 
um, to, to make your guys' experience better. Um, and, and we really look forward to some of that stuff. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Um, thanks again, guys, for listening, as always. Um, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.